I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy Gordon joined by his sometimes friend, sometimes frenemy. Hi, Andy. Hi. By the way, you just spoke to me. That suggests we're not frenemies; we're actually enemies. Because I ate two cubes of your pineapple. It would have been more had I not walked back in the room without asking permission. You were were like, so I'm going to say yesterday, I left my dinner on the site, like on the on a little footstool in my living room. I'm innocent. Do you know why? Why? Because I'm not being chows. Because I still, even after a month, you've never invited me around to meet your son. You're more than welcome to come anytime you want. Okay. So we've got. So my wife keeps asking me. Okay, <laughs> she so keeps saying, "Have you met Calvin yet?" No, he's not interested in you, mate. Mm. Uh, sure. <laughs> but so I left a uh, a plate of food on my footstool yesterday. Okay. Just with Simba in the room. And Simba's like very food aggressive. He likes his food. He likes human food. Okay. Dog food he's not so interested in. Yeah, same as mine. I'll put a little bowl of biscuits down. He won't touch them. The moment there's a bit of steak in it or chicken, he's all over it. So I left my whole human food plate there. And uh, Simba just sat nicely and watched it. I can trust him. I went out the room, came back. Food just sat there nicely. Really? Yeah. I don't think he'd do it for Hayley, but he did it for me because he respects me. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah. And I just tried that same exercise with yourself just now as I left the room and I came back in and you were scoffing that pineapple Just not down. to be trusted, am I? So I just like pineapple. It's healthy too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. We'll, we'll raise it at the end. Um, our health kick that we're going to go on that we discussed oh, a couple of, of weeks ago. We'll raise it again at the end though. Okay, um, well, I haven't started, so. Well, I have, but well, you get you've had to. Then, so okay, fine. Cool. Okay, so anyway. Um, so, so Simba... Uh, didn't eat your dinner, but, but you did. But I did. I ate your pineapple, and we. So we started on a light-hearted note. Let's go to a pretty sad note. There, about an hour ago, the news broke that Vader died. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we literally found out about that an hour or so ago. Obviously, it's a uh, it's a topic which uh, is uh, um, well. It's a Vader is obviously requested topic off quite often on this podcast because um, obviously we we have on myself specifically has some experience with him and you have a cracking photo with him. I do, yeah, and um, I do have a funny story based on that photo actually. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like for my money, I, I think hands down Vader's uh, um, the best big man. Like in his prime, he was the best big man in the in the sport. I remember some of the some great matches with him. Um, and how devastated I was uh, when he just come and smashed up Sting. So uh, it was almost like Sting was never going to be a match for Vader. Do you know what my biggest Vader memory is? Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a, there's a good something to wrestle with podcast about okay. that time. Yeah, there was something like he was injured. He came into the Rumble. No, he wasn't. He never signed. Uh, so like he his contract allowed him to go to Japan. So they something like they brought him in. For the Rumble. For the Rumble. He wasn't supposed to be on Raw the next night, but they did that deal to then write him off so he could go and do his tour of Japan. Something right. like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Or he had to get surgery. I don't know. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, wanna, yeah. I don't want to bastardise the story, but um, but yeah, some uh, some great memories of a big man. Um, and obviously he came over for Revolution Pro Wrestling, um, was it two years ago now, in the summer? Yeah, summer 2016. 2016. Yeah. 
Um, and he wrestled Will Ospreay. It's one of the most controversial matches we've put together. Um, and I kind of stood by it then and I stand by it now. I'm seeing like now people saying that that was the first Rev Pro show I've been to, I went to and I've been to many since. So, um, but uh, yeah, he wrestled Will Ospreay um, in a, probably the most controversial match we've ever put on in in Revolution Pro Wrestling history. Um, but it drew a huge house, sold out York Hall, Bethnal Green. Um, and uh, it had the eyes of the wrestling world on us. Um, and when we, I mean, there's so much that can be said. And I think that we really, we can fill a whole episode with uh, with Vader talk. But um, I don't think it's really the time or the place right now to, to tell us. There's some, well, there's some funny stories, I guess. Um, but it's not really... Like yeah, we'll do a whole episode about how the weekend with... Uh, well, no, it was longer than that for you, wasn't it? It was yeah, weeks of negotiations and, and months of negotiations. and Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But what I will say as well, though, is um, I spent a lot of time on the phone to Vader. And you, you, I remember you came around once when I was on the phone to Vader. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do. And yeah. I was just like kind of mouthing like, I'm on the phone to Vader. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, we were having conversations. And like I said, like I put a tweet out it's like charming conversation because that's what really he was like he like just charming like reminiscing about his career um and uh yeah we had a lot of very very long conversations and at the time i was like thank god for viber have you heard of viber before what's that like a it's, a, it's like an internet so like you you can call abroad at like local rates so you have to put credit on it okay but like we were on the phone for hours and this it, is for whatsapp called like fiverr um well, yeah but Viber doesn't require the other person to have, uh, so you can call landlines, you can call normal oh, lines. Okay. So like, okay. there was no point. I don't think I would have ever had Vader on WhatsApp. <laughs> and I remember no. another funny story when he was over here. Um, we got him a Tesco's mobile. <laughs> I got him. I was just like, well, how are we going to keep in touch with him? Like the easiest way to do because he, he was going to be over here for a week would just be get him a little pay-as-you-go mobile phone with thirty quid credit on it, so yeah. I could get in touch uh -huh. with him. Um, I Good didn't idea. anticipate how big the man would be. Um, and the little phone was like, <laughs> it was like his, is, his uh, Yeah, I was going to say, his, his fingers were probably too big for the buttons, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a, it was a very eventful weekend. And uh, and like I say, like I'm still very grateful for the house we were able to draw um, based off of the, the Will Ospreay and Bader feud. And uh, it's, it's certainly one of those moments. I always say we try to create moments that people will remember forever. And I think that that's, uh, you know, anyone who's in attendance will remember those moments um, that, that Will Ospreay and Bader were able to create yeah. on that day. Oh, I agree. It was great. Yeah. Really good. Um, cool. So, um, cool. This episode uh, of the A Squared Circle. Oh, so are we going to do any more about what's, what we've been doing? Or are we just going to... Well, I, d I wanted to tell a quick, real quick, uh, because I've just been to my son's sports day. Did he win? No. <laughs> did he come last? Uh, he did uh, He did a 100 metre sprint, which he came fifth. Out, out of about five? No, out of about 10. Okay. Ten about halfway. 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 Average. But he gave up like about 10 minutes before, because oh, he was really? doing really well. I'd say he was about second. And then a couple of lads passed him. No, maybe just one other. I can't remember. But anyway, he ended up being fifth. But like he was close to the end, and a couple of other lads passed him. So he, you see him just shrug his shoulders, like no, keep going. Like, but he still managed to come fifth. And then he did something called a skipping race, which yeah, I thought that, that sounds like a made-up race to me. Well, it's uh, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I wonder whether it was going to be how many times can you jump rope, like skipping rope. Yeah. Or, you know that skip, you can kind of skip, you do like a funny dancey walk kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, but you call like it a skip. Like a hop, skip and jump. A hop, like skip. skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it's actually running along with a skipping rope. Oh. Uh, which, if you're not very good at skipping rope... That could be dangerous as well with people yeah. next to you. And they're little kids as well. These things are going everywhere. And, and actually, he came last. Really? Yeah. But again, he gave up halfway through I guess that. he's going to have to become a wrestler then. Yeah, he's, got, yeah, he's not an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> That's what often happens, though, isn't it? A lot of, um, a lot of wrestlers... Don't aren't very good at things like football. Like you were terrible at football. I wasn't terrible at football actually. You were a goal hanger. That's what I've heard. No, that's what um, David Shardy. Yeah, that's <laughs> what he said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't he, that good at football, but I was thought, never terrible. He at thought football. you were a goal hanger. <laughs> Maybe yeah. So, um, Ball hog. Yeah. Ball hog. <laughs> um, uh, losing five nil. Next goal wins. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but a lot of wrestlers don't like football because they were rubbish at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, and that brings me on to my next thing. I'm an England fan now, and Yeah, I saw your pathetic Twitter. I yeah. still believe, I yeah. still believe, I still believe. Yeah, that that song, hearing that song on the radio is the only thing that makes go, I bloody love football. <laughs> but I don't love football. I don't hate football. But I don't love football at all. I and... Uh, yeah, the World Cup though, that song in particular getting, every time you I'm hear getting that. getting behind England. Mm-hmm. I saw yeah. you went out to Sports Direct, brought well, a I, I didn't go out knock to off shop, I Chinese actually, no. replica it's a real official, sweatshop. It's an official England shirt. This tag's still here. Actually. Oh, was it really? What that cost yeah. you? How many front row tickets did that cost you? Oh, it's not about money, is it, man? <coughs> no, no, it's about support. Exclusive product. And if it leads to England, if it leads England on to victory, it's worth every penny, wasn't it? Mm. So I just feel like, you know, it's the year Calvin was born, you know. It'd be seems, quite remarkable, wouldn't it? Seems quite it? nice that England yeah. should win. And as I said on my uh, my Twitter, also, like uh, I've actually had a personal grudge against Gareth Southgate since 1996. Yeah, so he missed the penalty. Well, he missed the penalty. That was a that was the icing on the cake, missing the penalty. Yeah. Um, but the main thing was he was part of the Aston Villa team that knocked Arsenal out the Coca Cola Cup. Oh dear. You're over two legs him. in the semi-finals. Okay. And uh, I just remember how just upset I was. But the Coca Cola Cup—that's a bit of a joke cup, it's isn't a, it? It is now, but like uh, back in the day, the Coca Cola Cup felt like it meant something. Okay. A bit like the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> okay. Back in the day. So. Uh, All right. Yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, I'm an England fan. Cool. Um, I've even postponed a wrestling show. <laughs> based upon yeah, the fact. I turned up smart. So this is a theory I do not abide by at all. Uh, I had a conversation with a promoter who runs some shows in the south, and he said, "Oh." He said to me, and this is, I'm not mocking him because he'll know if he's listening, he'll know I'm talking about. He said, "Oh, I'm, go- I'm, go- oh, I'm really worried about this next show because, you know, we're up against the WWE's greatest Royal Rumble ever." And I was a bit like, "Are you serious?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's the greatest Royal Rumble, <laughs> right?" <Are> you- <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, it's not just the Royal Rumble; it's the greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble. Yeah, I mean, I sat and watched it, and I didn't go to his show, so maybe, but um. You, but but my point is the World Cup final. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Like going up against the World Cup, no matter who's in it, is probably not smart. Not a good idea, is it? No, especially with the demographic of uh, it's a Southampton show, isn't it? Yeah. So eighteen plus, is it or not? No, it's not actually. It's under sixteens. Must be accompanied by an adult. So okay, well my point is like you got the lads, right. the lads who want to have beers Aggressive. and that. No, but you just tried to be rude again. Um, so uh, okay. But anyway, I just my point is, well done, you made a good decision. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it either. Thank you, thank you. So like normally I'm not really bothered about stuff like that because I, I, I had this other thing as well. Where you can make excuses about the days you run shows. You can be like, oh, I'm not going to run it because of this or that. But I think I could find an excuse for every single time yeah. I run a show not to run a show. Yeah. You know, 
You know, so. that, that Greatest Royal Rumble uh, example isn't the only one I've heard. Oh, it's the X Factor final tonight. So like, yeah. like, if you're trying to draw... No, I, no, that's not even true because you've got to think like... Because whenever you go to the O2, right, you see Kylie Minogue's on Monday, U2's on Tuesday, yeah, the Muppets are on... Yeah. There's like 20,000 people a night. That's uh, a lot of people yeah. in a week is my point. And, uh, and, I, and I look at it like if you look at football as well, like how many thousands of people go to watch football every week and the kickoffs at three o'clock on a Saturday, yeah. you'll get like however many, like what, six Premier League games kick off three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. Like plus the League One, League Two championship games as well. They generate huge crowds. Southend United, League One team, like well, when they were, even when they were in League Two, were do, doing crowds of like five thousand people a, a week every single week. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like, and that's you know, think how many football games are going on at the same time. So yeah, and there's five thousand people in Southend that've been convinced to go. So even though you know they they were just a little t- like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess you know the, the the point we're making is the World Cup comes once every four years. It is really, you know, I'd say I don't know. A huge percentage of the country has even a passing interest. This year's our year, though. So that makes it <laughs> so even you harder. Say. Yeah. So, well done on postponing your show. Cool. But I would, that, that's probably the only the only excuse I could give. As um, the light. So, yeah. August 19th, we've been rescheduled to so live in Southampton. Okay. And that's pretty cool, though, because that's after Summer Sizzler. So, Southampton's going to get a blockbuster line-up. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. So. Get your tickets now. RevolutionProWrestling.com. So we can do a mailbag episode, Andy. We are. If yeah. we can get past this World Cup a loving. Um, so one thing I said we'll do is uh, we will definitely talk about the beginning Wigan, which I think we'll save till the end. Okay. Just to make sure you... Or maybe we'll throw it in the middle so you have to listen to it. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how that came to my attention, but I guess we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. it in a minute. Okay. So let's just so the way the mailbag episodes work is we ask on our social media channels about give us some questions. Yep. We give you a, a bit of notice. We gave you some notice last week. So if, you, if you've got some questions and you never asked them, shame on you because we will answer anything. We will talk about anything um, as long as we want to. And yeah, and whatever we. We're shooters, aren't we? Let's start. Let's go. Shooters. Should we start shooting? Yeah. Okay. So, the first one. So, Matt Crooks says, IPW 5th anniversary show. Just that. So, I did mention I'd, he's, he's, t- he is a new listener to the podcast, Matt Crooks. Is he? Okay. And he mentioned the IPW 5th anniversary show before about wanting me to talk about that. But do you have any memories of the IPW 5 year anniversary show? Is this the weekend you did with Jerry Lynn? Incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, that was the uprising weekend. And that was Revolution Pro Wrestling. That was like the second Revolution Pro Wrestling show. It's a, oh, 2009. Yeah, that's a few that. years out. Oh, that's bad. Two, yeah. 2000. I don't know. Was I, I probably wasn't even there, was I? Probably not. No. So okay. what happened? I have no memories of it at all. Okay. So Until you remind me. I'll go, oh, yeah, of so course. I, uh, just a few things. The IPW 5-year anniversary show. Um, so that was, uh, yep, yeah, 2009... Um, and that was, um, so it was in Sittingbourne. Um, I ca- I'm not pulling up the cards, so I'm just going to make it up as I go. But I remember there was stuff in there. There was like a global gauntlet, which had Lionheart, Martin Stone, James Mason, probably some other people in it. Um, but that was Lionheart's debut. And I remember that wasn't, he had a lot of hype from 1PW at the time. Um, and he wound up wrestling James Mason, um, didn't fare too well in that one. Um, so, since that point, I've always wanted to bring him back, really. Give him another 
another shot that we just never <laughs> lined up dates, but it didn't really work out. Because initially, I can't remember who was supposed to be in the match, but initially it was going to be Lionheart and Martin Stone as a combination in the Global Gauntlet. But because um, they had worked together before in 1PW, but whatever happened, things got changed around. On the co- oh, what was his name? There was a guy who was supposed to be on the show who got injured, um, so couldn't do the show. He was like an indie guy. He had bald hair. Um, bald hair, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, my goodness. Was it Eric? Oh, no, he had a mohawk. Eric Stevens, I think his name was. Okay. Ma- name means nothing to you. I wonder if he's even still wrestling. But I think he was a... He must have been like one of these flavours of the mumps in terms of independent wrestling or something. Um, Not Eric Cannon. I remember reading that name a few times. He was over here for a little while. Was he? Uh, He's like he stayed at my house for a bit because a uh, funny story about him. He himself and Darren Corbin, they uh, not Baron Corbin. No, not Baron. Um, they uh, they were sent over here to work for Dixon. Yeah. So they were with Felix WXW and Brian Dixon said, "Oh, we'll take you on these shows." They flew to England, <laughs> and then Brian was like, oh, I can't take you this week, I can take you next week. Right. right. And they were literally, like, they'd been flown to England by Felix, and they literally had nowhere, like, they were just stuck, right? And Felix calls me up, and he's like, Andy, I've got these guys, like, what, is there anything you can do to help them? And I was like, oh, I don't know, right? And so I can't remember what happened, but one of them, one of them made their way to me, which was Corbin, I think I'm not sure if he got someone to pick him up or something. I don't know, but he got to me, right? And then Eric Cannon, literally, Felix just got him a coach ticket to Portsmouth, right? Just on the fly, just booked him a coach ticket to Portsmouth, right? And Felix just said to me, "He's arriving in Portsmouth sometime around three o'clock, right?" We literally <coughs> went down to Portsmouth Hard Coach Station. Okay, I was going to say Portsmouth's a massive city. You can't yeah. say, "Oh, it's to Portsmouth." I mean, yeah. it probably wouldn't take a great deal to and get up, I guess. So we went to the Ports of Hard Coach station, just hoping to find him. Just walked <laughs> into him. Oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah. So that could have been a disaster. Had no contact number for him. Had no email for him. Nothing. Literally. But we just walked into him. So, uh, um, so yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yep. Eric Stevens, wrestler. There we go. What's he doing now? Oh, he's retired now. Oh. What a surprise. So 2009, he turned heel and joined Prince Nana's army. Uh, ROH stopped using Stevens in the fall of 2010, probably for no show in the anniversary show, uh, five IPW five-year anniversary show probably. in 2009. Punishment. And he retired from professional wrestling soon after. He's now a strength coach who works primarily, uh, who primarily works with women, and owns his own powerlifting gym oh. in Florida. Cool. So, yeah, but that so that he was originally supposed to be in that match and. Obviously, he wasn't. I guess he was injured or something. Um, other matches were very controversial. IPW UK Championship match between Alex Shane and Leroy Kincaid. Oh, yeah. You brought Alex back for a bit. So, you? yeah. And there's got a kind of funny story about that. And I can't remember. See, I wish I could do this justice. But obviously, this is a Q&A session. It's not a specific topic. But when Alex came back, um, so uh, we'd done a deal, like maybe a five-show deal or something. Um, maybe it was less. I don't know. I think it was like a five-show f- deal, but he only worked. He only wound up working three of those five shows, right? And the first one, he won the belt against Yestin Reese, and I can't even remember why it was we brought him back. There was a reason why he came back, um, but we wa- he wound up doing a 
he wound up beating Yestin. It was all to set up a Leroy Kincaid championship win. And like he beat Yestin in a uh, last man in a Iron Fist match, which is a thirty minute Iron Man match which can also end via knockout. Okay. And he kind of beat Yestin. He Yestin was up on him, I think, and I remember something like Yestin tried to get up and he slipped on the ropes and fell down and that was a ten count for the knockout and something like that anyway and Alex won the belt but what's more controversial about that that was a Tony Sefton show and Tony Simpson show and uh, Dan Edler wasn't at that show it was, a sec- it was either the first or second one that Tony ran and uh, so the belt was going to go on we called Alex up on the day someone pulled out so maybe okay so the first show was Extreme Measures okay which Tony ran Right, where the winner would go on to the Iron Fist match on the next show. I'm sure the first time I wrestled for Tony was in about April time because I wrestled Dave Taylor in Sw- Swanley. Yeah, Swanley. that's right. Yeah. So, um, so he, so Tony, um, okay, so, so someone pulled out on the day of a show, and I know who it was. It was Lince Dorado. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he pulled out because he didn't have his passport. And he's right. the, <coughs> excuse me, he's now the guy who's in WWE, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, I think. <laughs> I'm sure he is, yeah. Um, so, he pulled out because he didn't have a passport, which he didn't tell anyone until the day he was supposed to fly, which was like the day before the show. Oh, you mean literally didn't have a... He didn't, literally didn't have a passport. Right, so he took a booking. For UK and yeah. didn't have a passport. Okay. Um, so, he pulled out. So... We had to rejig the show, and like I remember calling Alex on the day of a show because Alex always liked Tony; they always got along with each other. And I was like, "Listen, mate, Tony's running this show. It's like I've got this idea that we can do to put you in for the championship, uh, to put you into the championship contention. You'll win this tournament, and then you'll, uh, and then you'll go on to fight Yestin Reese, and you'll win the belt against Yestin Reese. Then you'll go on to lose a belt to Leroy Kincaid, and we had had another championship defense in there, and." another couple of championship defences in there in between. Um, and anyway, we agreed to all this on the day. And like, I remember Marty Skull was supposed to be wrestling in, say, Dorado on the show. And I th- want to say Marty had a girlfriend with him. It was like the first show he'd brought his girlfriend to watch or something. And it was supposed to be like a competitive, independent professional match against Lindsay Dorado and it turned into like a five minute squash against Alex Shane what Marty versus Alex yeah oh really yeah. okay yeah poor lad so he was kind of uh, gutted about that <laughs> but obviously he did his bit for the the team yeah and uh, yeah then so Alex became a ch- winds up becoming a champion I remember on the day of a show where Alex was due to win the belt there was threatening messages from Daniel Edler being like don't you dare put the belt on Alex <laughs> and uh, right. he was like whoops <laughs> um, so so that happened Alex won the belt and then um, on the five year anniversary show so then he was oh so then he was due to defend it in Sittingbourne um, at our the, the Sittingbourne Spectacular show which was the um, the show which we had Pack and Danielson and he didn't defend it there because I can't remember what his reasoning was and then shortly after he relaunched FWA. FWA, yeah, right. So the new FWA had been relaunched at this point, and where Alex wasn't an active performer, and he was still an, the active IPW champion. So he was coming back to wrestle Leroy Kincaid in that five-year anniversary show. Um, and I remember when the FWA launched, it had a lot of um, the new FWA. 
and I can give it some some credit in the sense of it was the first promotion to be properly brand like to have decent production and be properly branded in terms of like you know the ring aprons you you know had the FWA stuff uh, on yeah did they uh, have um <coughs> the ring apron and um, the 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 canvas. Uh, no, they didn't have the FW logo on the canvas, no. Okay. But I had the IPW logo on our canvas. Right. So um, I think I was probably the first one to have the logo on the canvas. But, like, um, I I wound up having... So, like, so basically, when I saw the FWA stuff, I was like, oh, we need to step our stuff up. And... Yeah. Which is the point I always say, and I don't think I've ever said this specifically on the podcast. If the FWA of old had the FWA of 09 with the production and lens screens and the lighting rig and everything, I think, I'm not saying it would have been a game changer, but I think it would have helped add to its legitimacy of like, you yeah. know, look, would look better on the wrestling channel, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, we're all, the, the whole, the whole thing I think about British wrestling, which is uh, the best thing about it, is that we're all learning as we go. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So like, even if I look at shows from, that I produce myself now to shows I produced two years ago, you know, there's a, there's a difference, a big difference. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the best things about British wrestling. Like, is really we're still finding our feet, you know, um, and I think that gives us limitless potential. Um, and anyway, um, so Alex had always a deep thinker, Alex, um, and he did some promos in the le- lead up to this um, this match with Leroy. Um, and he Leroy's finishing move was a spear, and Alex there's lots lots of racial undertones in Alex calling Leroy a spear chucker. So he, okay. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand the reference. Yeah. So, so there was kind of an uneasy atmosphere going into it, and he got nuclear heel heat on the day as well. Um, and Leroy won the championship, and it told a great story, and everyone went home happy. But obviously, Alex was the first. Alex was the first guy who legitimately was legitimately hated, <laughs> like in the sense of like as a heel, like. I think that it got real reactions in terms of like people were like you can't say that you can't do this you can't do that so it, it just generated real good heat and then the reaction for Leroy winning the championship at the end it was like a star making performance and a real moment for Leroy to to win that yeah Alex was always a massive Leroy fan wasn't he like he, he was yeah that's probably the part this, why he did it wasn't it well uh, yeah I think so probably yeah yeah, yeah. he loved but, like, Leroy but if you look at Leroy he's just got a tremendous upside like I I think like if he was still doing it like I always speak to our friend Terry like we, we joke about um, what he about Leroy he kind of gets good at something and then he just moves on to something else yeah like completes it like a, a game yeah and he just yeah. moves on right when he could become a, he when when really you should you should go back and do expert level sure but like he rapping like tremendous yeah he's one of the few people that i that i know of or i know this story about that he just turned up at WWE one day backstage and yeah. was like can i come in and they said yeah and he ended up working i think vladimir kozlov on like ec smackdown or something but and ironically, that persistence wound up upsetting them, right? Uh, I think that is the follow-up story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but, but um, I, I don't know. I, but that, Leroy told me that himself. He said, I yeah. just turned up, man. I just turned up. Yeah, and um, yeah, so wrestling, just real good. And also, he wound up um, doing... Uh, he, now he's making like these fan movies, which are really good. Oh, they Max, have not Max seen Max one. Payne, like, you can look it up on YouTube, like... For, watch the full movie he's made real good anyway um so Leroy Kincaid like a, just a real just a real talent who's uh yeah I think he I, I think if he, if he came back now I think he could still do something you know yeah um tremendously agile lots of power great look um yeah maybe that's what we're missing 
<laughs> and then you had uh, the main event was uh, the leaders versus the thrillers in a TLC match. Um, and they had that epic TLC match um, with that same ladder that Chris Travis said he couldn't use. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they had a, they had a great TLC match. And like uh, one thing I remember about that match is so um, for anyone know, who knows, there's a couple of things. So anyone who knows, I, I want to say it's this match. And I don't want to be I don't want to be telling a lie, but like a I but I, we definitely did this on on some IPW shows when with tables we'd have table legs right. So on uh, on essentially plywood. Um, and the table, they're quite expensive, but we'd have these table legs and we'd just use them and use them and use them and reuse them, right? And anyway, these table legs got battered. So there was like, so we had like maybe say three sets of tables legs, but we had two and a half sets of table legs. So it was almost like there's a bump through a table, then you have to help us run the table to the back and then you've got one leg already oh, right, on okay. and you have to screw the other on. Um, so I, that potentially was that show. Um, they had an epic ladders, ladders match or TLC match or whatever it was. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and it was real good. Um, it was also an event where I got an event T-shirt produced, and then quickly regretted doing that because I sat on like a. I think I don't even remember how. I maybe you still wear them now, don't you? I yeah. got one on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go to sleep in them. Um, so yeah, I, that kind of uh, opened my eyes into when you do event T-shirts, do a pre-order to make sure the interest is there first, and try and sell some before you get to the event because they're only good for a day. Like obviously, it's yeah, not like right, yeah. it's not like a, a. But I kind of I was big into my UFC at the time. I just come back from Vegas, and like I was like, wow, the way UFC was branded, that was a big influence for me. The way UFC was branded, you go to the casinos, there's like stuff hanging from the walls, and I was just like, oh, I want to be branded like this. Um, you used to love UFC. You used to say around that time, you used to be like, UFC is going to be the biggest sport in the world. No, That's like, what, did, bigger I than football? Say, I didn't and you're say like, that. yeah. I did not I say like, that. No, it I won't. Said, I said, Dana White says that UFC no. will become the biggest sport in the world. Dan McGee's with us. Dan, I promise you, he used to say UFC is going to be the okay, biggest whatever. sport in the world. Um, they, um, whatever. Um, Have we got another question? <laughs> is that it? No. Uh, so the other, oh, the other, oh, so uh, the only other point I wanted to make about that five-year anniversary show as well um, was uh, uh, so it's never been released on on film because uh, I decided to bring to buy cameras um, and um, the cameras I bought I was told these are the good cameras to buy but some were like one was NTSC and one was PAL and this was still in the days it was like HDV so like it was high definition but it was still on DV tapes okay um, but Basically, the PAL and the NTSC, they recorded at different frame rates, so it's like impossible to edit the shows together. So we'll never, get, never see the uh, light of day. Well, some of it, it might do. Like, I think you could cobble some of it together, but then like the big killer was um, with the uh, with the hard camera. Um, so whoever put the hard camera on for the main event, which obviously the, the big match, the ladder match, had zoomed right in. So like it was almost like it was put on the tripod. Like so, you had to change tapes. Right, and it's put on a tripod and like kind of zoomed in while they must have been climbing the ladder or something. But then it's so zoomed in that you can't see the ring. Oh, right, <laughs> so okay. like you can only see the center of the ring and all zoomed in. So um, it, the show was almost cursed. So it's never seen the light of day. Um, I've still got the tapes, and we could potentially cobble something together in the future. But well, I think you know. you're going to have to now. We've spoke about it for 20 minutes. We, it would have been a good plug for your RPW on demand. It would have been, but you can still see lots of great stuff on rpwondemand.com. Anyway, we've answered that question now. The five-year anniversary show. Um, right, Stephen wants to know. I'll pronounce his surname, but I can't. Cavadino, Cavadino, Cavadino. Okay. 
he would like to know. He's now watched The Greatest Showman and 13 Reasons Why. Yep. And he loved both. Please, can you recommend some more things to watch? On Netflix, I assume. Well, yeah, because that's where we, what we talk about on our radio show, well, podcast. Well, Greatest Showman's not on Netflix, but... Well, uh, whatever. More things to watch. He obviously likes our taste, Andy. Well, so. I like... I like... I watched something on Netflix the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I liked a... I think it's called Born Strong. I mean, I'll probably be the only person who listens to this podcast because obviously I do listen to it. It would be interesting in it, but it's about Eddie Hall, who's the world was the world's strongest man. I think he was the first British man to win it. This documentary about his life. I don't think that's actually Born Strong, but there was a documentary about Eddie Hall. But there's one about Born called Born Strong, and it's all about four of the best strong men in the world. And he brings up a great point, which again won't mean a lot to anyone else. But Eddie Hall says in it, he says, "It's one thing being the greatest bodybuilder in the world because someone's telling you." You're the greatest bodybuilder in the world. You know, that's someone's opinion. But if I'm the strongest man in the world, no one can prove that I'm not the strongest man in the world because I've physically done, you know, I physically lifted up this car. So. Cool, I'm going to go home and not watch it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can recommend some. Go on. Uh, End of the King World. Oh, yeah, I saw the first episode. Of really that. good. Yeah, right. Definitely recommend that. Um, I've been. I've watched. I've recently binge watched. So season one and season two are good. Season three not so good. Um, you, me, her. Have you heard of that one? No, I don't watch telly. Okay, I, I... all right. So you, me, her is a program about. Um, it's a married couple. Um, and one of their brothers has the uh, uh, the, the, the the guy has it says to his his brother, you know, listen, they're not having sex basically. Um, and it's it's like a comedy. And he he says to the brother, he's like, listen, uh what you can do is you go and see an escort. You don't sleep with her, but like you kind of can talk to her and you can like do you can do all the romantic stuff leading up to sex that you don't get to do in your marriage anymore. And then that will then help you <laughs> when you go home to the bedroom. Okay. And anyway, he meets his escort and they wind up kissing in the hotel room. He stops himself and like a good man, he goes home and he tells his wife. Right. right. And his wife then... Um, his wife then says, what's her name? Where is she? Let me see her. So his her wife pulls her up on uh, on Facebook and or whatever, looks up her profile on the escort site and her wife books a date with her. And uh, long story short, the wife winds up getting a foot job under the table and then kissing this lady and they wind up having a relationship, the three of them. Oh, really? <laughs> wind up, so so she, she then comes home and can admits it to her her husband yeah and then they then they, yep. dis, then they neither of them can stop thinking about her so they bring her into the relationship okay so then they have like a a uh a relationship they're a thruple <laughs> there's okay there's three of them and and then obviously, is it american yes it's american yeah okay and then there's obviously all the you know having to tell their families or do they tell their families is it a dirty secret and you know there's all the f- like yeah, hilarity that ensues okay. as a result of this relationship. Well, we don't need to watch Three it now. You're relationship. Relationship. But no, but you know, uh, that's the first episode establishing it, and then I, like the. I did the see episodes. something good this week on uh, on a app, the Hardy Boys documentary on the WWE Network. Have oh, you really? That yet? No, I've not watched that yet. Probably no. the best one I think they've ever. It's on my done. to watch list. Yeah. yeah, I was going to text you about it actually, and just say make sure you watch that because you'll enjoy that. I went through. Uh, I went through Camp WWE. And they didn't enjoy this season as much as last season. Okay. So, um, disappointing, if anything. All right, so there's a um, few recommendations anyway, there. Yeah, there's some for you. Also, Power. Make sure you watch Power. That's real good. Okay. So, um, also, when you heard about a certain recent York Hall balcony dive, 
Were you worried <coughs> you may lose the venue even though you had done nothing, it had nothing to do with your show? Um, no, I wasn't because I knew that people weren't hurt. But obviously, if someone had got hurt, then yes, it could have been serious repercussions. Um, and, um, and when I saw it, it was kind of a roll eye, an eye rolling moment because why would you like? Again, like I've I've spoken before about when I when I first got into running shows, we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But I like to think I've grown up now, and like with the benefit of hindsight and knowledge and knowing, you know, when things can go wrong, let's just not do stupid stuff anymore. Yeah. So, um, so it was like I say, it's more of an eye rolling moment than anything. Um, and I knew we'd be okay, um, because no one got hurt. But if someone had, then that would have been it. It would have been like a you know all wrestling done again so you know there you go um not much more to add to that uh what about this one um so we've got um daniel rogers has asked if you could change one thing about the wrestling scene today what would it be and why do you want me to go? I've got a. Uh, <coughs> yeah, go on. You go, and I'll. Th- I'll. I. Yeah, I'll think of the most so, diplomatic way for me to try to say. It. So my thing is, um, my thing is, everyone trying to be mates. Um, so like, I think. So I think that everyone is too far on the inside now. Um, so uh, and I'm trying to I, again, like, it, I, I'm not trying to find a diplomatic way to say it at all. But like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to say a way. I'm trying to get my point across in in the most uh, concise way possible. Um, I think that um, a lot of fans now are more than just fans of the show. It's almost like they are, um, they're just as important to wrestlers as a show. They feel they are. Yeah. Um, And I think that sometimes they just need to take a step back and realize they're watching it as fans. Don't worry about the inner workings of the business, so to speak, and just enjoy the show. Yeah. I think that's my key thing. But then I think, like, it's also our fault or the wrestlers' faults as well for bringing them in too much. Because, for example, I don't think, and it's the rise of social media, etc., but I don't think two people should have a match with each other and then be posting about their respect for each other and how much they love each other after the match. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think that because of that, it's almost broken down that full fall so much that the boundaries between... And again, I don't want to be like fan and someone in the business are kind of just so blurred. Um, And I think that that because of that, some of the magic is gone. And I think that we can... It's not necessarily a bad thing because we can can still work with that and you just work with whatever you have in front of you but to me that's that's the biggest thing that i think has uh, uh has has changed and I, like i i've always been interested in the inner workings of professional wrestling and i've always wanted to know the scoops about what's going on and, and whatever have you i've been an avid reader of a wrestling observer for years and years um but i've never felt the need to get involved yeah sure yeah yeah um so in, in terms of like saying you should do this you should do that and uh and I think that, to me, it's enhanced my enjoyment as a fan in terms of, like, I can, the same way that if you watch a, a movie, you can watch the director's c- cut or the director's commentary. The commentary, yeah. And you can get a deeper understanding of that movie. And that's why the way I use it to enhance my enjoyment rather than to... It was like a lot of people let it ruin them. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so, Bret Hart, right, this thing went to a couple of weeks ago. 
I don't think I said this on the podcast. I, I, I said it to the class. Bret Hart said, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's very similar to this. He said, wrestling is always better when everyone pretends it's real. And by which I think he means like the wrestlers and the audience. Yeah. So if we all pretended it was real, uh, I just think we'd all have a way better time. You know, not worrying about, um, you know, so some of the some of the abuse, um, some promoters, I won't name names because I'm not getting into it, but like, you know, when some promoters book a certain wrestler, um, you know, it's all, how could you, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, not, it's not like it's none of your business because you're welcome to spend your money on whatever you want. And if you don't feel comfortable spending on that particular person, but to like, that's almost, that's, that's, um, that's personal business, you know, like that's, if someone's done something wrong, that's, that's their cross to bear, not yours. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, if we all pretended it was real and, and let's not kid ourselves and like, oh, this thing's real. I mean that like, if we didn't concern ourselves with, you know. Like you can watch EastEnders. So here's an example. You can watch EastEnders. Yeah. And, um. We and all know that's not real. Yeah. And yeah. you're not you're not concerned about what what Danny Dyer is doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, you want to watch. Yeah, you want to watch. Mickey, yeah, and some Mickey of these scandals, Carter, some of these scandals that you know, um, Ant and Deck, for example, is it Ant? Who yeah. Got, yeah. You know, like no one's calling that. Some are calling for his head, but like it's going to be forgotten about soon enough. And you know, drink driving—that's one of the one of the ultimate sins, isn't it? You know, and but you know, still. 12 million people are still going to watch Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway when it comes back. I'd assume. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I think that's probably the similar sort of answer was... Yeah, I think it's, we I think we just need to enjoy it. And, like, again, like, I'm there's nothing wrong with... I, I'm not criticising anyone who does that. I'm saying my personal opinion is I think everyone would just have a lot more fun if they, they wanted to... If they just kind of forgot about who said what to who backstage and uh, yeah. who's mates with who and who's in whose clique and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and everyone just enjoyed the show for what they are. Um, you know, um, yeah, I think that's it. I, that's what I would, li- I would like. And, and again, like, I'm fully aware that a, a large percentage of my audience are, are, are kind of quote unquote smart in terms of, you know, they know the inner workings, they know the guy's, you know, they know what, what pets the guys have. They know, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But all I'm saying is I just would love it if everyone could just enjoy yeah. the show. But that, that I think a lot of that comes down to, like, the responsibility. And, again, sometimes I say I forget what I've said on the podcast to what I say into the class. But, like, I think a lot of that is on the responsibility of the wrestlers. So I was, uh, I said a few weeks ago when we said about someone being, oh, we were talking about 13 Reasons Why. And we were like, oh, at the start... All the, all the actors are out of character. And I went, oh, it's like a British wrestling show. Like, mm. it, it, part of the reason why these people, and and I don't mean these people derogatory, these the, are, are fans who come to watch Rev Pro shows, go watch all the shows all over the country, is because they are so familiar with the wrestlers, because the wrestlers have kind of let them in, which I which I then find a little bit sad that, that the fans kind of feel they can't enjoy it as it should be. I, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. You know, I see wrestlers all the time on on Twitter saying, "Yeah, because wrestling's fake." It's like you're not. 
short term, you might be getting a, good, a few likes and a few retweets, but really long term, like what kind of damage are we doing? Like nobody's trying to convince everyone that we're fighting each other for real. But like if we're not, if the presentation isn't a fight for real, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, like, nice. that's what I try and instill in all the wrestlers I produce anyway, come through the school, because if you're not having a fight, what's the point? Okay, Harry would like to know, what's the most difficult thing to set up on show days? Um. You don't know, because you don't touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's anything technical. Like, I, you know, you can trust that, like, either... Well, I thought it was anything... That I, You know, like, I, there's always hiccups with music and whatever, but the way I corrected that was I just started doing it myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, anything technical um, is normally a... An, difficult to set up because electrical and yeah and and the reason i say that is because um i like like i was kind of alluded to earlier we're kind of all making it up as we go along with wrestling right so you said so you said something like along the lines of um if fwa had the production that the new fwa had yeah. and then if the new fwa had that you know what I mean? we're, we're making it up as we go along everything is like advancing so like you know i said to you like i look back at my old shows and i kind of cringe a little bit you know even from stuff like just the small ring, you know, I, when I look, see the small ring in York Hall, like the 16-foot ring, like the standard size ring we use in any of our venues and standard size, pretty much a standard size British ring that most British wrestling promotions, promotions use. But then I see the size of a ring in York Hall compared to the 18-foot ring. and It's like a world of difference, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I, and I, so I just think, yeah. I, um, so as a result, you know, we, we are continually learning and we're always throwing new stuff in because I like always trying to evolve and always trying to learn. So anytime we had something new to the mix, that becomes the most difficult thing to set up on the show. So I remember the first York Hall show that we spoke about, um, the setup for that, we were still setting the, the show up like literally as we were opening doors. And if you look at that setup compared to what we have now, we can have that set up done in like a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, um, so it's always the newest technical thing we add. Um, and unfortunately, and I'm finding out now where we're doing stuff, I guess, properly for the, <laughs> the New Japan shows coming up next weekend. Um, I'm fine. You know, we have to do everything just on a shoestring. Um, and because of that, that entails us having to, I don't want to say cut corners with production, but like, you know, we have to do, it's very much DIY, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, and uh, and because of that, that's where the time's taken, and that's what where things are hard. So yeah. Okay. Anything for you? No. Just make uh, sure the rest of the turn up. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, we'll try to mix up the questions a little bit. We will get to everyone, I guess. Um. What dream match would you like to book with any li living wrestlers, and why? You can answer that. Um. My ultimate dream match would be uh, Andy Boy Simmons versus John Cena. No, I wouldn't. I'd rather wrestle The Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just because he's like that. Have he's on one of those, I have to get on one of those foreign tours, won't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he's done. That's happen. QPW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd have been happy wrestling um, uh, The Undertaker, actually. So, yeah. Um, I... I would always, I always say like I'd love John Cena. I'd love to get John Cena, but do you know what I think would be a great match? I think John Cena versus Tanahashi. I oh, think okay, would yeah. be a tremendous match mm -hmm. because they're just 
Like, so John Cena obviously isn't the most... Uh, uh, what's the way to put it? He's not the most pretty wrestler. You know, we're, we're in the, some of his stuff looks clunky. And yeah. So, but, like, <coughs> but that's what believable, makes it, that's part and that's, what, part, that's part of his charm, yeah. right? And and I just... But he, but he's got... Yeah, he's just good at telling stories, great facials. Uh, and Tanahashi's a master storyteller. And I just... I don't know. I just think that combination... And like as well, you've got the guy who was the top of Japan for so many years against the, top, the guy who's top of America for so many years. It's kind of just like that ultimate kind of dream match of two legends, yeah. kind of colliding. That's good. So, good one, yeah. Better um, than my one, probably. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Simmons versus Taker might. Be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, it would be in Falcon if that is your real name. <laughs> Said it would be interesting to hear about your biggest sacrifice sacrifices you made in order to get where you are today in the industry. Um. Well, I didn't get an education. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest; you're never going to get an education. Well, I never, I, I never wanted one. So, not no, no, I do want one. Like I look back now and go, oh, if I had a, if I had a degree, but like I, I've, I've always sort of. You know, my parents are self-made people. I kind of always viewed myself as following their path, really. Like, I never wanted to uh, to work for someone else, despite how often my wife tries. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably just an education. Um, I would say... I, there's, there's a lot oh, wait, wait, let me clarify. I finished schooling. Just not very well. But I didn't go to college, so therefore I didn't go to university. You'd have to go to college these days. I do or don't. You have to, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. You're 18th, I think, yeah. is compulsory, yeah. yeah. Um, so I got an education, but I sacrificed a lot of stuff. Like, in terms of, like, just social life. Yeah. Um, a lot of social life. And I remember one key thing. I missed my graduation ceremony from university because it was the first day of a week of camps. Okay. So I missed my literal graduation <laughs> ceremony so I could go to the Isle of Wight <laughs> sure referee a camp show um, eat baked beans <laughs> so that Cold. Was, yeah. yeah so that was kind of you know little things like that you know um, you miss like you know just growing up you know you miss people's birthday parties I, li- you know, I miss my brother's miss wedding oh yeah yeah, yeah miss my brother's wedding because uh, well, that was for WWE though so yeah yeah so I don't think he really minded all that much but, yeah, like, but if it was like oh I want to go and wrestle in yeah <laughs> well, Chamberlain Leisure Centre in front of 30 people which yeah. is what I did on my 21st birthday was yeah. I went to wrestle in front of a bunch of I empty chairs like, I was like a FWA on my 18th birthday oh yeah yeah like the Crunch show I think okay well, at least that was in, a good show um, in Morecambe the Crunch tour it was okay was that Morecambe tour with D-Lo Brown yeah D-Lo Brown on the last yeah, one yeah. A, yeah yeah I remember um yeah, so I think social, yeah, just social life really mm. is a big thing. And that's why we li- find ourselves in a position where we are now with no friends. M- well, maybe. All my friends have moved away. From you? From me. To get away from me. Um, you're bringing them down. Uh, okay. Uh, Phil Jones wants to know, has there ever been any thoughts of running Rev Pro versus New Japan show in Japan? Um, every day I wake up, Phil. <laughs> um, no, like I feel like our, our relationship with New Japan is evolving, and I, I would very much love that in the future. Um, uh, I think like every day the relationship really grows. Um, yeah, you've just got to look at the number, like you know, the number of guys that have come over this year, and the regularity of it um, now, and the fact that there's you know Rev Pro belts and storylines on New Japan shows. So I would say it's 
heading in that direction. But again, it's a relationship which is constantly growing and evolving. And I, and I think that New Japan in the UK is something which is constantly evolving. And, and you know, if, if fans like it and want more, just continue to support it. And then when New Japan see, um, like we've obviously got these shows next week, when New Japan see the, the big crowds, the vocal crowds in the UK, um, then I'm sure they're going to want to keep building relations over here and keep uh and and you know a part of that could well be us going over there which i think would be i think it'd be great i'd really like that a lot be a, so nice, be a nice holiday you wouldn't be invited i would be you wouldn't be allowed i would you'd say that you'd be like oh, put me down as a maybe <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the wife wouldn't let me yeah you're right um Okay, so oh, I slag her off so much. I do love my wife. Like, well, I just get a lot of grief when it comes you, to wrestling. You just best, best hope that uh, that she's not listening to this podcast. I'm not worried about her. It's my, it's my mother-in-law. Oh, I'm worried about him. I was going to say otherwise. Next next week's episode, your biggest sacrifice in wrestling, my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Dirty Dave wants to know, and I think I know why. He wants to know what's the worst injury you've uh, you've you've seen in in in. Well, this is interesting. Sam, what's the worst injury you've, injury you've seen in one of your matches? But uh, Sam, what have you had? He's saying that because he's broken his collarbone at the moment, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, I broke my ankle, obviously. Oh, I, uh, I wondered when you were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, that's quite an interesting yeah. tale. Um, it's seen, like, while I'm in the ring, luckily not really many. Yeah. Um, I've got a... So, seeing, if, I, if I'm talking about seeing... Yeah. Um, an interesting one was Spud and Paul Birchall... So they were wrestling on the FW Academy, and I always found it really weird that Paul Birchall was this killer in the main FWA shows, and then like he gets to the FWA Academy, he'd be like, "Catch us, catch Cam with like Harry Mills, and <laughs> <laughs> Dan yeah. James, you know, yeah. like." Uh, um, but he wrestled Spud in Spud's debut, and I, I guess like Mark obviously knew what a great wrestler Birchall was, but like uh, he wrestled Spud in Spud's FWA debut, FWA Academy debut, whatever, and. Um, Spud hit a move from a top rope. Boom. It's like, one, two. And I thought, look, Birchall's just not moving, right? So I'm like, two. Like, I sell it like it's two. Like, Spud comes up like it's a two. Yeah. Right? Birchall hasn't kicked out at all. He's knocked out, right? And, uh, but I'm like, I guess I kind of stopped because I know, like, Birchall's supposed to be winning the match. Yeah. Right? But also, uh, I'm, like, kind of scared. Like, you know, if I count to three, like, it's going to be like, Spud defeats Paul Birchall. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? A little point. Spud yeah, defeats yeah. Paul Birchall. Yeah. Anyway, but Spud then, uh, just a couple of moves later, goes to the top rope, hits a big flip off the top rope, and I think winds up breaking his arm or collarbone. Like, Christ, you, really? You know, something like he broke something, or, okay. you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, just a couple of moves later. Right. So I was that, was a, that was a disaster of a match. That was always um, a big bone of contention between Mark and Alex, was the way Paul Birchall was handled on the Portsmouth shows. Oh really? And it's why one of the reasons why I think Alex sort of disassociated himself with the FWA Academy shows because you couldn't take the FWA name because obviously it was marks. marks, yeah. Um, but I think if he could have done, he would have done because like Paul was like losing to me, he was losing to Ian Logan, he was losing to everyone, yeah. you know. And that's and that's uh, that's well, he wasn't losing to everyone, but he lost to a few people. That's almost like a situation similar to the IPW thing, when I was running IPW shows and Dan was running IPW shows, and they were just completely different shows. You yeah, know what I mean, like, yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, is yeah, I kind of distance myself from that as well. Um, I like bringing everything back round to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what about this one? Um, 
why isn't Josh Bodum used uh, more in top UK promotions? Um, with WWE deals, he has to be the top heel in the country of Gibson unavailable to use. That's by Kieran Keynes. Um, I've, I think. Yeah. Josh Bodum's one of the only true heels in the wrestling business. Yeah. Like he doesn't do himself any favors. No, Josh. Josh sort of. When I first met Josh, you thought he was like just a nice, unassuming young man, <laughs> didn't you? Like, you wouldn't think anything of yeah. it, but he has made a few rickets in his time, said a few things, and but not like, not like, oh, Josh was overheard slagging off Andy Simmons. It was like he said some pretty low things, and stuff like that gets round, doesn't it? And it gets blown out of pro- like because but I think yeah, that's so true. I think I think a big yeah. part about Josh is he's quite um and again here's me being like, Oh, I don't think people should come inside the but I think Josh is quite um like you say, he's quiet, reserved, and I think some people mistake that for ignorance or arrogance. Yeah. Um and I think that, that rubs people up the wrong way. And then Josh does stuff which then which then if you couple that with their initial perception of him, then uh then makes the situation even bigger. And then Josh is obviously a very controversial character in his wrestling in his wrestling and what he does in the ring. Um and he's very believable in what he does. And you then he blurs the line between fiction and reality. Um one thing I'll say about him from a which should make abundantly clear is that I think he is probably one of the best wrestlers in the country right now um and i put him up there with anyone um and i can't remember i can remember one time since i've known him that he's had a bad match ever okay um like was that against me was it you're probably dying to say no okay so um so yeah like uh, do you know what i mean like i think he's ex- supremely talented and i think anyone who's not using him uh you know you're sort of biting your nose off a little bit aren't you? Your face. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, uh, there was one time um, where I was just like, I'm not, I, I don't want to see him, I don't want to help him. But like you say, he's just so talented. And people forget how young he is as well. Yeah. Like so. sometimes the the super talented ones sometimes get a, a bit of a pass because you're, because like that whole thing, are you going to spite your nose off, spite your, uh, bite your nose off, spite your face? Uh, or cut your nose off. What is the term? I've cocked it all up, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, you watch him in the ring and I'm like, no, I, I at least when, when I see him, I at least want to sort of say, oh, you know, do this or don't do that. And, but there was what my point is, there was once time and I was like, I'm never going to talk to that boy again. But then it was like, I saw him wrestle, I think Jushin Liger. And I was just like, <laughs> no, Hell of a match against Liger. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That whole week, that whole, I'd say, uh, that Tupa Jacob show you did, British yeah. Jacob. Yeah. Uh, that was probably one of my favourite shows you've ever done. And Josh wrestled Liger then, like a real of two yeah. minutes or something, was it? it was yeah, yeah. The best two minute match I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. and which sounds silly, but it was. It was just great. And then I was like, oh, this guy's pretty special, actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, made up with him that night. Um, so, yeah, like I said, answers that question. Yeah, okay, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Matt Dagnall wants to know what do you see the future of RevPro looking like any time scale from next year to 10 years time well, um, let's go through well, it month by month well Matt <laughs> it'll be like that shoot interview you can remember when they go through the years well in 2019 uh, yeah. <laughs> I see us uh, so basically where do I see RevPro just continuing to grow like I think like um, will it be here in 10 years time absolutely I can say that without uh, with, without hesitation I don't think many people can say that about their wrestling promotions Um you know, I I genuinely am in this for the long haul, um, and I have been for from the very start. Um, and 
I think that, um, you know, all I can see is continual growth. Um, and but in like what in what avenues though? Do you so like okay, um, so so in some respects, okay, so in some respects, take a step back. Some respects, I can see some things may fall off, but I think we'll find other growth areas where we'll be able to survive and thrive as a business. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be all sunshine because no business ever is all sunshine, and it's where you pick yourself up and respond. You know, so for example, one of the show like the 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 second show we did in Southampton didn't have the best attendance. I could have just given up on it then, but I was like, no, we're going to make this work. And the next show we did in Southampton great attendance everyone you know and like the show both times are great you know you find that you put on a consistently good product then people will gravitate towards that so i've always got faith in our bottom line of the product will sell um uh so what do i see i see running more venues more towns everyone always says like when are you coming here when you come in there the answer to my question is i want to go everywhere eventually but i you know it has to be done in a kind of strategic way like obviously i would like to be in a position where i'm not where everything isn't reliant on myself because at the moment everything's reliant on me doing everything so you know part of getting this office and getting people working for us is is taking some responsibility off myself and teaching other people the business because if i can teach those a business and they can help move it forward as well you know because I think RevPro's biggest problem for, for all this time has been the fact that it can only grow as fast as I can work. Um, but now I th- think that, you know, if we can help teach people how the business is run, it can grow a lot quicker and without me, you know, turning into any more of a mess of a human being. So um, I so I see um, more, more cities, more venues, bigger venues, um, you know, I, I just continual growth. I said the on-demand numbers going up. I want to, you know, be better at social media. I want to be better at, you know, all the all the holes where anyone looking from the outside can probably look at the holes and be like, oh, RevPro's presence on YouTube is rubbish, right? And I can be like, yes, I know, because I don't have time to do YouTube. And it's like, it's almost like at the moment, it's like spinning a plate deal where it's like, what do you do? Do you make sure your YouTube channel is current? Or do you make sure the on-demand service that the people are actually paying for is current, you know? Yes, in an ideal world, we want to have both side by side, and that's why you're starting to see more YouTube content come out. But it's a, it's very much a, uh, like I said earlier, when we were talking about what's the hardest part of running a show, it's the DIY aspect of it. Um, so, so yeah, I, uh, I don't know, just like I say, continual growth. Is that is that answer? I know I wasn't yeah. very specific when I was just like, yeah, just yeah. continues to be bigger. Like, <laughs> it's not. I want, I want to be able to. I tell you what, I want to be able to do, Andy. I want to be able to. Um, have people realistically rather than people say like oh I want to get to Japan I want to get to WWE I want to do you know what I mean I want to get away from the UK rather than working being in this country working towards getting away I want people to be wanting to come to this country to work like they do at the moment on an independent level but you know be like have aspirations of I want to work for Rev Pro. You want you, you want know. someone, a wrestler, to phone their mum and say, "Mum, I've just signed Absolutely. a contract with Revolution yeah. Pro Wrestling." Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there but, you go. That's and, a good and, answer. And, but and I'd love, I'd love more than anything for wrestlers to have it as a realistic proposition. So to be like, you know, I can earn a full time living working for Rev Pro. I'm very aware at the moment that's not a possibility. But in five years' time, ten years' time, it may be, uh, maybe a realistic possibility for that to happen. Um, and I just hope that we can continue to grow. I know. All Obviously, along the way, we're going to have setbacks along the way, all the way. But as long as we can continue to adapt and move forward, that's what I judge as being successful or not. Cool. Okay. Okay? Yep. Cool. 
Next one, seven stars. When are you going to employ some more bearable announcers? Oh, that's a bit mean. Well, seven stars, I'll do you a deal. <laughs> yep. you, you put a picture of yourself up on your Twitter <laughs> profile <laughs> and then we'll talk. Or right. troll us, mate. Yeah. yeah. We, we work hard at that job. Yeah, yeah. And I might add as well, I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't really get to me. Stuff like that doesn't get to me because I know everyone's got different tastes. And I know at the end of the day, I like what I like. And I like me, um, <laughs> but no, uh, I I don't want to be doing it. Like, but I I have to. Needs must, right? Um, but what I w- and I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think that what we were doing was a good job. So I just want to make that perfectly clear. And I know it's not to everyone's tastes, but nothing can nothing can be to. Everyone's I see tastes. I see tweets, and I can ever understand this. People would write things like Gorilla Monsoon was the worst commentator of all time. I, I like, thought he was tremendous. Yeah, I thought he was one of the best. You know, Jesse yeah. Ventura the same. You know, and yeah. So uh, again, it's it's not to everyone's taste, but it's like, what do we? Yeah, it's like people get angry at you being a heel commentator, right? Yeah, and it's just like, which has been quite a topic of discussion recently, isn't it? And yeah. like, I'm just, you're the boss. You say you be the baddie. Yeah, you know, I like I said, I like what I like, and um, but the the point I was going to make is that as well, like it doesn't matter, and I just want to make this perfectly clear, like it doesn't matter how many positive things you see people write about you. It can be one negative thing, oh, just yeah. knocks you back so badly. Yeah. So if if anyone's listening to this right now, and I, again, I don't, I like constructive criticism, right? So I like it when someone says like, "Oh, I went to your show, I enjoyed your show, um, but I think it would have been better if this match was a little bit shorter because it felt like it just went a little bit long in the middle and the crowd were tired." Do you know what I mean? You can justify, yeah. you know, justify why you're doing it, you know, because it'd be nice if this match went a little bit shorter because the show round up running late. If this match went a little bit shorter, we'd have enjoyed it just as much and the show would have finished on time. Or we'd like it if you booked more women's wrestlers or we'd like it if you booked more tag matches or, what, you know, yeah, yeah. give some constructive criticism, but to straight up rip it down. It's sure. not very nice, right? And I always, and I, I always. But, but I want to make it. But we're not that delicate either. No, <laughs> Do you know what no. I mean? So, like, so, yeah. so, so, but the point. I'm not I'm, losing sleep over so, it. So, so the point I'm making is, so I said, like, for the commentary, I lose no sleep over at all. Like, I, like, but there's some things that I work so hard at, and like, I could have been spent. Like, no one knows a full story, right? But if you spend all your life you, you, just dedicating yourself to something, and then someone says one, just real horrible thing. Without any kind of base to it, without any context, without any constructivity to it, that one thing can just put you in such a horrible place, right? And I, like, I say, you, you always, I, I show you stuff all the time, right? Where it gets, when I, stuff gets me down and you're like, oh, just don't worry about it, don't worry about it. It's easy to say, don't worry about it. And I've got thick skin and I can ignore a lot of stuff. But just every now and again, when I work so hard at something and I get some horrible stuff being said, it just knocks you back down, right? Sure. And it makes you think, why do I bother? And then it takes something, it really does take something big to kind of pick you back up. Um, and um, so so basically the message I'm trying to give out is just remember, not uh, and like like you said, you said like, um, oh, you know, we're not delicate, right? No, we're not. However, just remember that someone you're writing to might be, or they might be having a bad day or, you know, so don't just openly slag stuff yeah you know and throw you know like and we were saying like last week about all the things i say that get taken out of context which i laugh about right but you know 
that leads to people saying horrible stuff about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And again, I can laugh about it. I can laugh it off nine times out of ten. But there's some stuff where you just work so hard at something, it just gets yeah, it gets to you, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and like everyone's human. So if there's any message I can give, like so that question there was obviously just designed to be just designed to be mean. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and He might not notice us. Well, he might not. <laughs> yeah. 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 But even so, he's still yeah. But it was designed. But either way, it was designed to be mean. Yeah. So yeah. like, whether it was us or whether it was two other commentators, it was just designed to be mean. Yeah. So I don't know. Just try and be nice to each other. Okay. I guess is my yeah. <laughs> if I, if that's one message I can give. Um, okay. So uh, okay. So let's do. We do three more questions. Okay. And then we get to begin and Wigan, and then we will wrap this ba- baby up. All, all right. right. Cool. Um. So we've got uh. So we've, it looks like we've gone an hour and ten, but there was a little uh, pause in the middle, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. So, uh, which, uh, uh, yeah, we won't talk about. Um, so, uh, let's have... Um, oh, so so maybe we'll do four questions, because this one's a funny one. But Joel, just Joel, said, I'd like to know the results of my friendship resume sent. Any feedback? Too needy? Am I too needy? Needy, needy, needy. Uh, Did it, I'll say this, Joel. Is it Joe? Joel? Joel. Joel. Joel, yeah, yeah. I didn't even get any rem- a resume. Yeah, so don't lie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Send if you sent one in, we could we yeah. could have... Uh, We'd have reviewed it. And yeah. yeah. And then decided if we wanted to let you into our inner circle. Yeah. I'm sure um, you'd get loads of gossip then. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd get all the gossip, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'd probably get less done as well, because I'd be like, oh, cool, I'll call Andy with a gossip. <laughs> like, oh, now I've got to call my mate Joel with a gossip. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he'd also like to know, if I was a punter at York Hall, where would you choose to sit? Now, I always say this. I say, but this might have changed since the earlier shows. Because now I'm doing commentary. Before, I used to float around. Yeah. Um, when I was just, 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 bleh, just doing the ring announcing, right? But I always used to say, if you want to be a part of the atmosphere, get on the floor. Okay. Right? Because I feel like that's like, you know, you're amongst the people, tie in, and like, just, oh, that atmosphere, right? If you want to observe the wrestling... Get on the balcony. Yep. But I know some people get upset about balcony boys, they call them. Oh, do they? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I think wherever you sit, it's a great it's a great atmosphere, but I'd want to be on the floor, like in the middle. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, in the, the thick of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank you, Joel. Um, I bet he's kicking himself now for not... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dylan, thoughts on NXT UK? Mm. I don't know enough about it. I get you know it's it, I I guess they're just sort of playing it by ear you know they've booked four dates uh, like eight shows over four, four but dates, four venues four weekends yeah yeah so um so it's going for the next four months at least yeah um but I like I think um I like again like you say visit you don't know any you don't know enough about it to know if it's gonna you know like what can you say yeah it's great for the guys that they're getting a, a platform they're getting like the, the footage the pictures certainly from the second night of the Royal Albert Hall looked fantastic um but like um and it's great for the guys to get a chance to work in in that in the Royal Albert Hall that was you know that'd be uh something that I'd love to do one day um uh but I think it's it's great for the the people to be able to you know get a get a full time base salary. I think that's that's great for those wrestlers, um, and I think it's a great opportunity for them to to be seen by the wrestling world. Um, I'd be interested to see how it. I, I'm genuinely interested to see how it goes because um, you know it's it's essentially going to be like a UK show, but just with the WWE machine behind it, and like 
you can say that that's going to be a, a winner, like a can't miss winner. But then obviously, I've just listened to that podcast. Uh, you know, if you watch something else to wrestle with on WWE ECW, no. no. So like, you never know how it's going to go. You just don't know how it's going to go. But I hope for the lads' sake it, it goes well, and I hope for um, yeah, I hope for the wrestling fans' sake it goes well as well. Because you know, and and like, there's no. Again, I do want to stress there's no bitterness. There's no like, oh, look at what they're doing. You know, of course, I'm interested to see what they're doing. And of course, I'm interested to see the results and who's wrestling who. And, you know, and I'll watch the shows when they're on the network because it's my job to know what's going on. You know, it's my job to have a, um, you know, like I say, like anyone who doesn't watch WWE, who's within the wrestling business, I think are a bit stupid because like, and I'm not suggesting watch every single episode. I can't watch an episode of Raw or SmackDown anymore. Like bell to bell. It's just too long, too much content now. Um, but I will watch the key segments and I will watch it on the old fast forward gimmick on the old, you know, the old Virgin media I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, do, I watch it on the, you know, and, and, and bits that interest me, I watch, uh, you know, in full. But I just think it's important, you know, they're the only ones who are making real money doing this, you know. So let's learn from them. And we can learn from the mistakes as well as the stuff they do good. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Um, nothing negative to say about it. Um, Before anyone tries to twist it. Yeah, thing, right. Yeah. yeah, just make that perfectly clear. Nothing negative to say at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm kind of interested to see, you know, will they bring over guys from NXT to, to work on that brand? Will guys from the WWE or NXT UK go over to... The Florida, where they do talent exchanges, that would be kind of interesting to see if, if anything like that happens. Um, and, uh, you know, will they wind up signing more guys? Like, obviously, I, I kind of, it'll be, I hope they leave us with something. Cool. <laughs> um, but like uh, but like I said last week, I, I genuinely feel that wrestlers being able to work for Revolution Pro Wrestling is a great benefit for for any major wrestling company. Because, you know, we, we put, we don't, we don't, A, we don't book rubbish, Right. Um, and B, they get that opportunity to work in front of, you know, great fans and to work some of the best wrestlers in the world. So why would you not want that level of experience, you know? Um, so even if it is just an audition for the bigger stage later on, and like I said earlier, like I hope one day we can make it so it's not an audition for the bigger stage. I want to, you know, I want us to be at a bigger stage, not as big as WWE because that's not going to happen, but, you know, be a bigger stage than we currently are. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, we have... Uh, oh, Do you have any more fun Chris Travis stories? I'm still tickled by the Money in the Bank ladder incident. I didn't, I didn't really know him. No, I, d- like, I don't... I don't really think I do. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm kind of on the spot here. So, like, I just... I'll, I'll have a think about that. And I'll uh, we'll revisit I'll, it next week. Yeah, like if I can think of something, I'm sure there is definitely some that I can tell. Um, so yeah, but I do remember he was finding his feet like really massively, like towards uh, like his uh, the the end of his run when um, he wrestled Marty Skull and Sittingbourne. And I remember t- taking him to one side, like uh, after that match, and I was like, "You wrestle like that every single week, and you're going to be a superstar, right?" And he's like. He said to me, it's actually quite a funny story. He says, like, I do wrestle like that every week, right? And I was like, well, I haven't seen it. Like, and he's like, um, he's like, because well, you don't give me the matches. And I was like, mate, you wrestled the Young Bucks at York Hall. And he's like, oh, oh <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, 
but he does it like if you look at the highlight videos of those shows there's always chris travis highlights in those shows oh, i will tell you a, a, a funny it, like it's not really a, like a funny story but like a when uh so it kind of ties in with josh bodum so jo like chris travis was working i want to say at the time maybe josh bodum was working as like the fake Oligero. okay um and or he may have been himself i don't know but it's one of your call shows and josh kicked him through the uh like as he's coming down the ring. So this is the type of stuff that Josh does that upsets people. So like he was walking around the ring and Josh kicked him through the ropes. And like I thought Chris was going to kill him. Like literally, you watch the footage, like Kirby's holding him back. Chris Roberts is trying to push him back um, because he wanted to kill him before the match started, <laughs> um, which was kind of quite amusing. Um, so yeah. Um, so that's, I guess that's about it. Like he was... Again, originally, like he, he he was he was scheduled to come back for us. Unfortunately, it never happened. It was going to be around the um, the uprising global wars the first the first weekend there, um, and obviously he had his matches announced. But the original plan was to him to do him versus AJ Styles, which I think would have been a uh, for his comeback match, which I think would have been a, a huge deal. And I know it was a match he desperately wanted to do, and it was like it it wound up not happening that weekend. Um, and the plan was to then revisit that later on mm -hmm. um and, and i, I want to say as well like he there was definitely talk of him winning the championship at the end of it like so he'd lose to aj and then come back and win towards the end but um yeah obviously it never happened um so you know it's a it's just a, there's not much but you can say really is it? it's a big regret um and uh yeah he's still sorely missed to this day and i think that if there's no doubt in my mind that if you know, if this was still, if he was still here today, he'd be front and centre of that WWE UK deal. Yeah, um, undoubtedly, yeah. Or, or, or he'd be, you know, like, already made it somewhere else, you know? <laughs> like, he may have already made it in Japan. He may have been running next to Marty in Ring of Honor, you know? Who knows? Um, but, yeah. Um, so, next question. I think I've asked more questions than I said I was going <laughs> to ask, but there's only a few left, so... Um, Ricky Suave wants to know what are the key differences in running a promotion like Main Event Megastars and Red Rev Pro? I thought he was going to say Red Star. Uh, what are the different challenges, times it takes to plan, etc.? It'd be great for people to know how difficult it is to run two consistent shows at different ends of the spectrum. So here's my theory on it, right? Is So whenever I run a show, and I run like three or four a year outside of a few holiday camps, it's, you, you're sort of going in cold, like no one really knows about it until they happen to see a poster uh, in a in a phone box or a poster in the in the bakery or a bit of Facebook advertising. So, in that respect, I think it's almost like it's harder because you know you can put a show up and you've got twenty thousand likes on your Facebook page. You know, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand. They might be based on the South Coast, so you put an ad up for Southampton or the ports of Guildhall. You know, you've already got an auto, almost like an automatic fa fan base. So there's loads of differences, really. But then that also sort of neglects to sort of take into effect that everyone's on Facebook now. Yeah. So, like, you know, like we've, we've talked about this before. We're like, oh, he's an internet fan. He's an internet. Everyone's on the internet nowadays. You know, my mum's yeah. got Facebook. My, you know, the lady who's 75 who works in my mum's shop's got Facebook. You know, like everyone's on the internet. So... Apart from really sort of having probably a cheaper wage bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it, it, there's loads of differences, I guess, that, that would also take up a whole episode. 
um, because you know there's also the theory of like there's running a wrestling show that caters to wrestling fans, and there's running a wrestling show for what, for lack of a better term, the general public. So you know, so so whenever I you know like I ran a show in Petersfield, that was catered specifically towards what I would term as the general public. I wasn't you know I wasn't I wasn't asking for um, you know something that could full well headline a York Hall event might not go down so well in front of mums and mums and dads, you know? So yeah, I think that's where we kind of um, have different opinions because I think that, so th- I think obviously the way of doing that, that works. Um, and that's if you're, if you're up for doing, if you, if you just want to do the, you know, the, I, I call it firework displays yeah. in the sense of, or pantomimes, not like, not in terms of like, not the style of wrestling, I know what yeah, you mean, yeah. But like in terms of like, you go to see one once a year, mm-hmm. and then you don't. Do you know what I mean? You like, but I, so so quickly. So so everyone came out of that show I ran in Petersfield. Oh, you can do another one. You can do another one. And I was like, well, I could do another one in six months' time. That would probably be a success. Yeah. But I wouldn't be able to do one in six months after that because it's just too much. So yeah. like once a year is for at least three or four years. I think we could make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, whereas I try to, my mentality is I'm trying to grow. Uh, so like, and that's, that's, a, that's absolutely, again, it's just a business model, isn't it? You're just uh, doing what you, you do there. But I think, and that style, of, I think that style of show caters to once a year, you can make it work. Um, I think mean, you could probably make it work twice a year, but again, that's obviously depends on the town you're, you're in. You know? Yeah. Um, but like the, what, the reason why I call it fireworks pantomime is because like, you know, how often do you have a desire to see fireworks apart from once a year? When you, yeah, you know, it's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like it's like a vibe, isn't it? Like, oh, it's fireworks. And, yeah. You know I mean? And to be honest, when I watch fireworks, my father will puts on a great display. He won't listen to this. I'm bored. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I am bored. <laughs> but like, but I still get in the in the uh, you know the the mindset of hooray fireworks. <laughs> and like, but and like after the first few, you're just like, oh, I'm done now. Yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah, I'd rather be. In, it's cold out here. <laughs> yeah. The dog's yeah. getting nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'll just sit with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so I that's why I call them that because it's just like you know you only really need to see it like, it's not like it's like you see the firework display and then you're like would you go to that again next month probably not but that's like it. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. in yeah. 6 months time or a year's time mm-hmm. then I'll come again right and you'll have some people who are more enthusiastic about fireworks than others <laughs> who are like oh we want to see this every month but like trust me if you see the firework display every month you don't do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. so like I think that that's a that's a difference in the style of the shows but I be- I personally believe that you can educate any audience to become a regular audience there's nothing you know I know like you the, the style of the, the style of marketing is very different but I just, I just have this belief. I don't know. I just have a strong, overwhelming belief in professional wrestling, in that you can get, you can turn everyone into regular visitors. And like, I think that comes with building a brand. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know. So this event I ran in Pizza, there was, like, there was three hundred and twenty-five people there. So, so like, that's not really that many people. So, could you convince those three hundred twenty-five people to come every quarter? So. I don't know. You don't know who you try. So it's yeah. almost like a pointless but suggestion. I, but, but again, so, so the point I'm making is that, the, so, but if you were to do that, you'd have to change the style. Like if you're trying to get them to come more regularly, you have to change the style of a show a little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't think that style of a show draws, will draw like month after month. No. But I think it would draw once a year, twice a year. And there's nothing wrong with either of those things. 
but I just don't think that it's going to compel people to be like, right, we need to come back next time, right? But um, if you, and again, you only need to do certain little things differently, but um, I I think if you're going to convince people to come, you know, you need to convince them you're seeing... We well, you need to give them a hook to come yeah, next and time. You're seeing, and to let them know you're seeing a different show. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, a lot of the time, the matches are very samey by their very by their nature, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, you have to... De- you When you go into it, you have to decide, this show I'm running right now, is it? am I doing it to... Am I doing it for, for tonight, for the audience tonight, to have a great night and come back in a year's time? Or am I doing it for the audience now to have a great night but want to come back next month mm. I think that's the big you know the big difference and like you say like I, you said like I've got like a big database of you know thousands of people and whatever but that's just literally through just being persistent yeah, <laughs> and yeah. consistent mm-hmm. there's nothing different about you know like a, like for example I ran Sittingbourne for years right and I was able to turn Sittingbourne into a like a yeah, and I do think of that because Sittingbourne's no different town to anywhere else. No, you just it sends you through a dot uh, yeah, map exactly, and was like, I'm going to run wrestling in Sittingbourne every other yeah. month, every month. Or so, so I personally don't think it, like I don't think such thing as a you know just because it's a sh- town that people haven't really heard of. I don't really think such thing as a yeah you know we can't like do you know what I mean? Like who says you can't run no I know that style of re- do you know yeah. what I mean yeah and like um so. I don't know. Like, I think it'd be an interesting exercise to see, but, um, but yeah, and, and like I say, like that's. But there's nothing wrong. That's what I want to stress. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that style of professional wrestling. There's nothing wrong with that style of show, and you know the. It's just a different style. That's all it is. Yeah. And like I think I personally think it's important that people can work that style anyway, because you need to be able to work an audience. And I, and and by that I mean. There's a lot more, should we say, playing to the audience, yay, boo. Yeah, sure, but I also um, think that's a bit of a misconception is people like, say, working an audience, they think you just stand in the middle of the ring, clap your hands, and people just go, no, so, uh, there's so, so much think, more. So I think that's what the point I'm getting to is like, um, is like, so this is a way, like these shows, which are marketed towards predominantly children and families, and which are like a fireworks play, like a pantomime, a lot more simple, not as intricate, perhaps. As uh, you know, it's easy to you know, got a good guy, you got a bad guy. There's no shades of grey. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's easy to understand. Yeah. Um, the audience is a lot more call and respond. So I can be like, "Come on, Petersfield," and the audience cheers. Yeah. Right. I hate Petersfield. The audience boos. I'm just layman terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't right. worry, you're not offending me. So, <laughs> so, um, but like you say, there's more to professional wrestling. Uh, and there's more to these shows than just clap your hands and people will clap, right? But the reaction is easier to get on these shows, which is a big part of the learning process because I think fundamentally all wrestling fans are exactly the same. So it might be easier to get a reaction out of a family crowd in Petersfield than it is a room full of, you know, 20, 30-somethings in Sittingbourne. However, deep down they'll respond to the same things. So you just need to get used to learning the triggers. What you know? When's it time to hit a big move? When's it time to slow down? When's it time to speed up? Yeah. You know, you sure you might be doing fancier stuff in between the, you know, in in between the the the, the moves or whatever. I don't know. Do you mm. know? Do you know? Do you oh, get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. It just the, kind of ties into that wrestling psychology, of you know, we have guys who are more experienced guys. They'll come down to the training school, 
and they'll say, oh, I, I've just come here to practice this one move or if I can get this, this is almost like, we've, we've touched on it, I think, before, but like, just like, they come in and they say, or with the mentality of, if I can do this one move, I'm going to be a great wrestler. Yeah. Which is just so not the case. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so again, that's another long-ass discussion for yeah. yeah wrestling psychology. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, um, so there you go. That's the difference. Is yeah. I think we've thank you, Ricky Suave, for your for, uh, that. for that. Yeah. Oh, and if anyone likes to wants to like the main event Megasars page on Facebook, I'd be really grateful. I just want to get to five hundred likes so you can uh, release your tag match. So I can release this tag match. Yeah, which bless them, they have been pushing. But yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? And I've got some Facebook credit I could use, but yeah. Um. So, should we stop there for the questions? Is there one more? Well, there's a few more, but... Uh, Stephen Sutton gave a good question, but we have been going over an hour and a half now, so... Oh, go on. I co- oh, I've actually not copied it. Um, where did you give the question? Uh, it was on my Twitter feed. Oh. He asked something about the Vendetta poster, right? Yeah. Oh, a- okay, the American Dragon. Yeah. Go on. Let's let's do that question. Uh, we'll do that question, then we'll talk about the beginning weekend, <laughs> and then we'll go home. This has gone long, hasn't it? Daryl's asked me a fantastic question. Go on, then. What are your thoughts on wrestlers that don't want to wash or shower after shows? Oh, right? disgusting. That is something that needs to be addressed. And that's things that I will say to people, I will say to wrestlers, and they think I'm joking. And I'm like, I'm not joking. Yeah. And it's the, it is the worst, um, worst habit to be accused of of being smelly. Okay, yeah. you're resting in a dirty ring that you don't know when that canvas was last washed. Um, you're, you know, wrestlers are walking on their boots all day, uh, treading in in muck at the venue. Not that there's like dog turd in the venue, but you know what I mean. Just general muck around the venue. That's going in the ring, and they'd come out the ring, and they don't go for a shower. They'll just put their put clothes, the clothes back on. on. Yeah, and it blows my mind. And yeah. that is something that I had to be educated on. But I was educated on it very quickly. Someone told me essentially what I just said. And, and you were just like, oh, yeah. And I was like, what a great point. Yeah. You know, you wash your gear when you get home. Okay. Like sometimes there isn't a shower, right? Yeah. There's not a shower. There's not a lot you can do. But I will say it's Johnny Storm. Every single show he does, he'll have a wash afterwards. Like he will find a sink and have a thorough wash down. Some guys can't be asked. Okay. But even when there's fully working showers, the amount of wrestlers I see come out and there's a fully working shower. They go, oh, I'll shower when I get home. Yeah. Don't, right. no, shower now. No, you shower now. At and least show willing that you're not, don't have terrible personal yeah. hygiene. Yeah, I agree. And also, um, just for the gear washing thing as well, that's a big thing. And I think that um, wrestlers who, they like a lot of wrestlers are like, oh, I can't put my gear in the washing machine. It's a hand wash it in a sink. Yeah, right, right. Do you know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a big thing. So, and air your gear at night, you know, like, don't just leave it, scrunched up in your bag till the next time you wrestle and it's disgusting sure so yeah I agree I like clean wrestlers nice smelling wrestlers like Chris Brooks he smells lovely that's his thing isn't he he smells lovely I wouldn't know I don't have a sense of smell but I'll take your word for it if you could he looks like he smells nice though doesn't he he? he's a very good looking man (laughs) yeah he he does smell lovely good Um, so uh, Stephen Sutton should we hit that real quick yeah go on okay so did you read the question no because you were going to you pulled up your phone. Oh, sorry. I thought you'd read it. And then no, I was like, so oh, was wait, Daryl's coming. So I just remembered what the question was. Okay. So the question was this. So I thought, um, oh, dear, this is awkward. Uh, come on, Stephen, where are you? See, I didn't see it when I was copying and pasting, but I had clocked it earlier. Okay. Let me, Stephen. <laughs> I find out I've blocked him. That's why I can't find it. <laughs> 
That was a joke, Stephen. But I cannot find you. But basically, it was saying... I can't find the specific tweet. But anyway, it was just saying how... Um, do you remember how people reacted to when Brian Danielson first wrestled for the FWA Vendetta in 2003 and he insisted on wearing his mask? Um, I remember the audience were absolutely horrified. Take your mask off. Take your mask off. But again, you know, what did we have? Three, four hundred in that night. Twenty people in a crowd of three or four hundred can sound quite loud like this. I think it was actually more than was that. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't I know. I do, yeah. And I think there were more people in the crowd as well, because it was when Broxbourne used to have the stage as well. Right. Uh, this is before FWA's big fall from grace, wasn't it? Yeah. And I, like, the one thing I will say about that is, um, at the time, so FWA had advertised him as, you know, the... Brian Danielson. Danielson, the Ring of Honor, you know, the okay. guy you see in Ring of Honor. And a huge part of his ring work was his facial expressions. So I think that was probably not like, do you know what I mean? Like it just it just added so much more to the okay. match. But obviously, when he came over for Brian Dixon, he went back to wearing the mask, which obviously he wore at the start of his career. Um, and uh, back to you. Well, yeah, the, the, I, I don't remember a great deal about it, um, apart from the fact that I picked him up that day from Butlins. And I was with Mark Sloan. And he'd wrestled an afternoon event at Butlins, like I just said. And I'd just come off Scott Conway, had done like a last three or four day run of shows before he moved to Thailand. And I'd wrestled Robbie Brookside that, that week. So to wrestle Robbie Brookside to me was like, I'm not going to make out, it was like wrestling The Rock. But like, I knew who Robbie was. I fully appreciated and respected him. I'd, uh, I'd watched him take a real shining to Raj Ghosh the previous summer, which I was actually really, really jealous, jealous of. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, <laughs> I, can, I, can I, I just add on Robbie as well, which yeah. a lot of people don't realise. Like, Robbie Brookside was like, so in the, <laughs> I don't want to say the dark days of British wrestling, but in the, like, I went to some real crap shows, right? But if Robbie Brookside was on the show, like you could literally, the crowd could be sat on their hands, right? If Robbie Brookside was, came to a show, and I'm not talking, even talking about from his ring work, from the second he came out, yeah. there was that energy just around, like, I can't even describe it. You know, he had a real presence about him, which just got the crowd going. Yeah. You know, everything about him. And like, uh, and it was just, kind of, it was almost like, well, like, I'm sat here doing, look, you can see what you I'm doing do with my hands. hands. Yeah, right? yeah, the Robbie Brookside hands, hands yeah. right? However, to me, when I'm doing this now, what that's the energy going through his body. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. it, like, if, it's just like a, <laughs> I don't know, like it's just like on a, yeah, he was just on another level to everyone else. Yeah. Like in terms of that, being like carrying himself like an actual star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Robbie turned up uh, while I think I just briefly met Brian Dixon for the first time. And as I said, I wrestled Robbie maybe a week or so earlier. And Robbie said to Brian, I wish I could do the impression, but I can't really do a Scouse accent. But anyway, he said, I can't remember the exact words, but he really put me over to Brian and said, oh, this young lad here is going to be really something. He's really good. And uh, and the point I wanted to make was, I wonder if he'll do that for me with his current employer. <laughs> I'm not sure he would, but yeah. So uh, so anyway, we picked Brian Danielson up. We drove to uh, Broxbourne and I can remember the traffic was horrendous. That like, w- if we'd have sat in the traffic, we'd have, we'd have missed the show. Like it was that bad on the M25. And uh, it cut so bad that like lorries, because we were driving in the hard shoulder, which is obviously illegal, but we it's almost like we had it. We had to. Not that any traffic police would have cared less, but we had to do it to make the show. And in the end, this lorry pulled into that. He'd been watching what we were doing. He must have done, and it pulled into the hard shoulder, so we couldn't get by. But anyway, we made the show, and um, that is all I really remember about it. Is I don't I don't remember there being any sort of uproar Thanks about for that insight. <laughs> well, I, I, 
Yeah, all right. Maybe no, it wasn't it was a good story, but, but I, thought, I thought you had some real insight on me. Uh, no. Like when you were in the car, was he like, I'm oh, wearing he taught, my mask? He, no, he taught me how to flick Cheerios out of the, out of the window into other passing cars' window because we were oh, stuck really? in traffic without getting caught. So um, how did you do that? So obviously the sort of easy way to do it would be to put one on the palm of your hand and flick it. But he said, that doesn't work because people are going to, if they turn quick, they're going to see you palm outstretched. Okay, so obviously <laughs> I'm doing the actions for you now. But actually if you hold a, uh, a Cheerio, I think on your middle fingernail, put your thumb on the fingernail like that, and you, because f- obviously a Cheerio, a cereal with Cheerio is only small, you do that. And <laughs> it's gone. And he said, because they're obviously doing that up and down the roads yeah. on the camps and it's the whole shows are broken. Yeah, and then every time there was an open window, they'd be flicking Cheerios, <laughs> which sounds so silly, but he did make it sound Sounds terrible. like fun. I know what I'm yeah. going to go and do now. That's it. Yeah, um, we'll do that on the way to the school. Um, yeah, so so that's it. That's all our questions. I, I we haven't really even got time for this big and from Wigan, have we? But oh, no. We, we've built it up, so I should probably oh, God. at least touch on it yeah so basically for anyone who doesn't know it's called the Biggin from Wigan thanks to a guy called Tom Campbell who's actually on Twitter he's on Twitter and uh, it resurfaced the other day and that's what people were asking me like they didn't realise I was a referee for that and I said I've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in professional wrestling and that certainly was one of the lowest of low low lows right and you have times in your life when you just want the ground to swallow you up and I always say like my biggest thing in wrestling is I don't want to look like an arsehole Right, yeah. and I think it's safe to say on that day I looked like an arsehole because I was just associated with this show. Right now, how I even came to be booked on the show, so like Alex Shane was booked on the show for some reason, right? And um, I say like for some reason, like you know, it's just weird. Like it was just a complete local show. Alex Shane was booked on the show, but Alex couldn't drive, still can't, I don't believe. Right, and. Uh, he always used to have a driver with him. So that driver at the time was JC Thunder. So JC Thunder was also on the show, right? So, um, and that's a, like, you could see like Alex would always have someone who would be his, like a, the guy who'd just drive him around everywhere. But in return, Alex would get him booked on all these shows. Um, now at the time, Alex had, had he just turned, recently turned heel maybe? Um, but he was, he was, he'd, he was a heel. And I want to say he was maybe FWA champion at the time. Um, but he was doing a he was doing pretty much the same match. He was going around oh he's going around winning championships in all these different promotions. Okay. Right. And he was doing like very similar matches, but he had all these spots which would he'd require like a referee who's not um who's like an actual referee. A trade not referee. Like a, yeah, not yeah. um not what you get on a lot of shows, which is just you know, just a, tra- a trainee or someone who's gonna put on the shirt, like you know, someone who's got a shirt or mm. yeah, or your mate or whatever. Just like, Oh, we forgot the referee, right? And um, and anyway, Alex um, got me on this show, and like I, as and loads of shows, like I like I swear, like I owe him like for getting me on all these shows because he would do all kinds of shows, um, just based upon the fact that I knew his spots <laughs> for, <laughs> to referee. Um, and uh, and anyway, we turned up at this show, right, and. We turned up, we were super late, so like the show was kind of already, oh, it had either already started or it was starting, right? And I think someone else refereed the first match, right? And I refereed every match on the card, right? There was about, 
I'm going to guess about 10, 15 people in attendance, right? And what was memorable about it was the show itself, as the wrestlers, after the wrestlers had their matches, they'd then come and sit in the crowd. And, like, all the, the a lot of the people on the show were, like, punters for, like, Alex, right? So by Alex's match, he had quite a little <laughs> audience because all the, you know, all the, the guys from the show who were in the locker room with us were then sat... In the crowds, and I say the locker room, it's probably like a little cupboard because it was like in the commentary of this Biggin from Wigan match, it was they call it someone's living room, you know. Okay. Um, and I remember the lo- I, I did, like the, the microphone was up on a uh, like so you literally had like a little it was like a little working man's club, but it had a little, little DJ box stage thing. The microphone was up in that, so like you know like, for the so, MC, yeah. So like if if someone went to cut a promo, I'd have to walk over to the side. Okay. Like, ah. um, and. Um, and the match itself, the big one from Wigan, Chris Sprouls versus Cage Tyler. Now, Chris Sprouls was a promoter. Now, I knew you had to respect to be very nice for promoters, whatever, right? When this match starts, and there were some other bad matches on the show, but none on this level, right? And this was one of the worst professional wrestling matches you'll ever see in your life. Like, I'm talking kids playing professional wrestling probably better than this, right? And it was just like series of awkward move after awkward move, right? And I'm going, I remember halfway through being like, oh, I'll probably take it home, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, it was just going and going and going and going and going and going. And, uh, <laughs> and it just kept going. And um, as it kept going, um, I, I'm like, just stood there wanting the ground to swallow me up. Right, and they're doing near falls, like it was like a WWE WrestleMania match, doing near falls, this, that, and the other, right? And um, and at the end of the match, I swear, right? So the match, we go backstage after the match, and he, you know, Chris was just like, "Oh, thanks so much for that," right? And he, his exact words, like, because I've seen a statement from him later, being like, "Oh, we knew it was terrible," blah blah blah, but his exact words were something along the lines of, um, like, you know, when two wrestlers just know what the other one's thinking before they do it so you don't even have to say anything. Well, that was like, tonight, it just everything just went so well, right? I swear, right? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And, and I thought that that was going to be done. I'd never think about it again. There was no one there, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one saw it, right? And that's what I always say to our trainees, like, do these rubbish shows, right? Get the experience because you, like you said, the more you do it, the better you get at it, yeah. right? So do these shows. Get experience. Learn what to do. Learn what not to do. Make your mistakes in front of no one, right? Just don't publicise them. So I thought I'd gotten away with it until it reared its ugly head via the UK fan forum. Yeah, someone and, uh, someone had edited together a uh it was just with the, com- oh, it's just it Tom was Campbell. The match, and then right. Tom Campbell commentated over it. Okay. And he was by far a better commentator than anyone in professional wrestling and should probably be making a living <laughs> doing professional wrestling right now yeah. with just his his wonderfully funny commentary. And he dubbed it the beginning Wigan. Um, and, and the match got got a life of its own so like but now i swear every few years like it comes like oh i didn't realize you were the referee and that just the most recent one was like a few days ago okay like oh i don't believe that's a it's a young a quilden refereeing you mm-hmm. know and like i'm just like oh i wish i wasn't yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps coming back and it's never gonna leave me but in a way i guess you're glad you did because it's it creates such a good topic well it's given a story hasn't yeah. it and uh and like and i am glad i did it because it's just all an experience and it, it's nice to Look back, mm-hmm. smile, laugh, think about all the crazy stuff we did. And when I say to people, you know, we literally did shows in front of no one, I mean it, you yeah. know. So, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's still that level of British wrestling exists to this day, but we just don't see it. 
Yeah. So don't be fooled in thinking yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. exist. Which is also strange because of the power of social media. You think everything. Yeah, is absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there you go. That I do. We. This is like the longest episode by far we've ever done. Yeah, we're sorry. Um, well, sorry. <laughs> or you should be saying thank you to us because we've just treated you to a bonus. That's almost like making up for that week we missed that one yeah, time. Yeah, double, double bumper. whammy. Bumper yeah. episode. So... Um, We'll talk about our challenge next week, Andy. We're going to have to. We're yeah, I know. Time. Yeah, we will. We'll talk about it. It gives you an extra week as well to get yourself so, in shape. Well, I'm not getting... I'm starting even. Okay. You know? I'm not making... Whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we hope we hope you've enjoyed the show. We Follow hope us on made Twitter. Yeah. B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z and Instagram, B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z-1984-1984. It's a ridiculous Instagram handle. Follow me at A Quilden, A Q U I L D A N. I'm on Instagram as well. I think it's Andy Quilden, or it might be A Quilden. No idea. Don't care. But if you care enough, you'll hunt me out and you'll see some lovely pictures of my little boy Calvin. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Laters. Laters.